Welcome to Watching Silent Films. My name is Yi Flong, and I'm your host, along with my co-host Lily. Hello, Lily. Hello, hello, hello. Greetings and greetings. And uh, today, uh, Bob is going to be unavailable for us, and hopefully, he'll be uh, available for us in the next coming weeks. But um, we're going to just Lily and I today. Back to the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> At the start <laughs> of the podcast. But anyways, um, today we're going to continue that uh, tr- the number of short films um, by Buster Keaton. And um, this is based on the Kino release where a long time ago, maybe half a decade to maybe a decade ago, Kino, um, now called Lorver, but it was called Kino, Kino International. They're kind of like a publishing house for uh, DVDs and Blu-rays, media and their focus is on like silent films, classics, not just like silent films, but like sound talkies and even color movies and stuff. And they release a bunch of stuff. And um, they get the rights to these older uh, films. They get released them with a the more polished, pristine prints. So that's kind of what they're all about, these publishing houses. And they're sort of like Criterion too. There's a bunch out there, like Eureka and UK. Um, anyways, hmm. there's, there's a handful of them. Um, they're still a little bit around, but I think in time they're all going to move towards streaming because everybody's streaming. But anyways, yeah. long while ago I bought this uh, three disc set where it's all about Buster Keaton's uh, shorts, and uh, I hadn't really got around to it, and that's uh, one of the reasons that we're doing it so that I can actually, you know, revisit some of the the stuff I actually purchased. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes just like sitting there. Like what? What is it doing there? Nothing. So I should just try to watch it, you know. Anyways, so these short films uh, spread across three discs um, are basically uh, the short films directed by Buster Keaton, along with Ed, Ed Klein, one of his co-writers slash directors on these shorts as well. And this is his uh, career from 1920s through 23 before he sort of started focus on feature films. And uh, but by then he had already made a bunch. So before the twenties and th- uh, to nineteen twenty three, he did a bunch with uh, Fatty Arbuckle, right? Oscar mm-hmm. Arbuckle. Yeah, I remember reading that, but yeah. I didn't uh, know how they were working together. Like if he was the producer or just on set, you know, on set with him somehow. Because I was expecting him to be in the scenes, but then I know what he looks like, and I didn't see him, so I didn't really understand that connection. Yeah, so the these shorts that we have w- that we're going through the collection is from 1920 to 23, which does not mm-hmm. have him in there. Oh, okay. Because I think I can't remember quite what uh, the timestamps are, but I I believe that his um, his uh, controversy has already happened. So it's largely oh, gone. Okay. Maybe I, I don't quote me on that. I haven't really. I can't remember all the dates. It's getting old, but <laughs> prior to that, um, basically. Uh, Buster Keaton was hired um, um, by, I think it's Metro, who is the uh, company, uh, film company, that was uh, making all these films. And uh, they had obviously a troop of people. And so they basically was like, you, you, let's, you know, you guys go together and, and make all these shorts. So uh, Arbuckle and uh, Keaton basically started a career. Um, I, I don't know if Arbuckle had probably made more stuff probably by then, but. Buster Keaton came into this because, um, you know, he had an extreme like he he already started his career at age three, four, five, right, on mm-hmm. the vaudeville stage, and so he's by that by the time he was like you know you know 
uh, you know, 20s or something, late teens, early 20s. He's super experienced. I mean, that's already more than a decade, even though he was kind of a kid still, right? Yeah, you can definitely get that vibe off of him because he's always very playful in his yeah. character. But what I'm saying is you could tell that he's super experienced with yeah. the way he moves his body and the way that he does the uh, vaudeville acts. And mm-hmm. we'll talk more about this when we when we get to that short, uh, The Playhouse, which I think calls back to so much of his other sort of material when he was um, doing vaudeville. <laughs> But anyways, that's what happened. So they grouped him together, and Arbuckle and him basically made a bunch of shorts before that, before he started to direct his own. And so this collection, the three disc, is a collection of just him directing his own material and content, but minus Arbuckle. Hmm. Um, in recent times, I think Kino Lorber, uh, they renamed themselves, by the way. It, it, it used to be Kino International. It's now called Kino Lorber. And they, uh, they recently re-released it, including the Arbuckle shorts. So I don't have that one, but that has like a five disc now. So the two extra discs are holding the uh, Arbuckle shorts. And the, the rest of the three is the same. But anyways, maybe in the future, we may cross that bridge if we get there. <laughs> but in the meantime, we have these uh, three discs. And uh, last week, we we attempted to go through disc one, which was... I myself didn't even realize there was so much. It was like, it's probably longer than two hours, I think. Uh, I I think I barely even made it, you know. So mm. we we ended up just, um, there was, I think, two, four, six. It was something like was six shorts, seven? but each were like yeah. 20 minutes, you know. It's, yeah. it's at least more than like. Yeah, that makes sense why it'd be two hours, anywhere yeah. between 22 to 25 minutes exactly. each. Because it's two reeler, right? Each reel is about 10-something mm-hmm. minutes. So, Anyways, I think we bit off more than we chew. Last week, so we kind of pushed off the two remaining shorts into this week, uh, along with uh, uh, half of the, the second disc as well. So we kinda, yeah. we're kind of we going to chop it up a little bit. Um, across the, We're not going to attempt to do a, a disc a week. We're just going to chop it up so we can complete that in, in the in a, the best time that we can. Mm-hmm. All right. So having said all of that, um, the we're going to do about five shorts today, and then we're going to keep roughly that pace four or five each week until the uh, whole set is done. And that'll be our uh, Buster Keen shorts. Um, and then after that, we're probably going to do uh, his feature, some of his features. What we're doing now is basically going through Yifang's, uh, uh Blu-ray collection and, Basically, you know, watching the things that he hasn't watched in a long time <laughs> or 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 hasn't watched it. <laughs> so I don't think I've seen these shorts yet. Or if I have, I've seen bits and pieces of it, I would say. Yeah. Well, it is a good excuse to, you know, get get me to watch him, get Bob to watch him. Then you're like, oh, now I can watch him. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. That's that's going to be our uh, future thing is going to go through my collection and, and mm-hmm. get through the things. I, I haven't seen it. <laughs> All right. So. Um, before we get going on these shorts, did you happen to uh, watch anything in the classic realm, i.e. before Star Wars recently? Uh, unfortunately, not. I'm trying to. Th- I, I watch a lot of YouTube, and <laughs> that does not count at all. <laughs> no worries. So, no worries. Um, I had a movie I did want to watch because I still want to see the 400 blows. I know I mentioned that on one of the previous podcasts, maybe two previous podcasts, but I still haven't gotten around to watching it. I just, that's an amazing movie. 
I know it's yeah. supposed to be so good, and I just I don't know. It's a little bit like my life. Watch it, yeah. Sit it's a little on bit it. like my life, ah. but not in <laughs> France because I didn't grow up in France. But <laughs> um, it's you know I won't give too much away, but it's kind of like this kid kind of just wandering around on his own and getting in trouble. Mm. It's a little bit of how, of how I grew up, <laughs> except in Taiwan. So, anyways, that, that's why when I watched that movie, I was like. This is me. This is like it's like the dead shot of my life. And sometimes when you watch movies like that, it really um, just brings you back. It gives you these universal themes. You start realizing, well, all humans are somewhat the same sometimes because mm-hmm. it's like, how can a person from, which is loosely based, I think, on Francis Truffaut's own life, who's the director. I mean, the, the, in theory, I, I'm not entirely sure if that's true or not. But you know, it's like, how can that person like that? You know, with his background and history, have similarities to somebody you know a quarter of the way across the world. You know, eh, anyway, it's a good one to watch. Did you want to watch something else? Um, I have a few listed on my canopy. There, there are a couple of foreign films. What did I want to watch? I wanted to watch. Uh, wow! Now that I'm not looking at it, I don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> but um. I had a couple horror films saved. Of course, I can't remember what they were. Like, I had a few silent horror films saved. But once again, I don't remember. (laughs) And I'm not going to just go click on it right now because I feel like that's rude to be clicking on the computer. (laughs) I think, uh, yeah, we should do those. If you you later on get the name, we'll just add them to our list. Yay. And then that way you can can just say that we'll we'll do them as we're going to record them and talk about them. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's Sounds how we plan. Good. We just plan uh, <laughs> willy-nilly. Whatever. Just throw on the list. See what happens. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's anyway. so many to choose from. It's I like, know, why not? so much. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing, though. It's just there's so much now than ever before. Because when I started watching this in the early 2000s, uh, faithful listeners of ours will know that a uh, long time ago, I used to you know, rent uh, DVDs from Netflix when they had the mail order DVDs and uh, I went through a lot of silent films that way and uh, it just wasn't a lot of titles sometimes you'll get get like Dr. Caligari is like it was just that like I didn't even realize he had the, the in the hands of or like I think that yeah. might have been a, a later release that was only available in the last or maybe I just didn't look hard enough but either way <laughs> it's amazing the, the amount of content available now is astonishing it's crazy even for classics you know they're constantly mm-hmm. re restoring uh, re-releasing things that was never available before like ever so um this week um we got a listener writing in into our email because we finally published some podcasts that basically you know release our email through the general public and um this person adam we'll call him he says uh uh, been trying to wrap my head around intertitles to create. Do they just film a static drawing and an easel and then insert the film? Or is there a whole other te- technique? Uh, well, Adam, uh, thank you for listening to your podcast. I <laughs> 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 you know people out there were listening. Uh, but uh, I, I think, uh, you know, it, it's done a mul- multitude of ways. The most common way is uh, like a 11 by 7 legal sheet of paper. Um, it And then they handwrite it's almost like not exactly clear, but they they printed it all um, neatly on there, and then they, the film camera films that intertitle, 
and then they would edit it into the film. And that's the most common technique. But sometimes they, the intertitles are larger, like really large, and then they film that too. So it really depends on how, how they do it. It, it, it you know, but it, it, of course, it's a physical medium because they didn't have computers or PowerPoints or however it's done nowadays with computers. Intertitles are easy, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like almost cheating compared to back then. Um, I did actually create a new uh, Nitrateville um, thread about that, asking this question, and uh, hmm. a bunch of people chimed in. I, I really wish that there was a YouTube video. Um, I, I know there's a recent YouTube video, sh- not recent, but a uh, YouTube video showing you how Harold Lloyd's um, stunt with the clock, when he was falling off the clock, was done. It's basically like oh a, yeah, that was part of the series. Yeah, so yeah, I remember basically, that. like I I wish that they had something like that, but for like intertitles, because you're right, it is something that's totally interesting, and I actually never thought about that. So thank you, Adam, for bringing that up. Uh, I'll I'll uh, send you a link of that um, thread, but also link it in the show notes so that other people can kind of chime in and, and check it out. And of course, thanks to uh, Mike. Uh, Gebert for creating Nitroville as a community mm-hmm. and I think uh, for more than a decade now it's an authority of community on uh, just classic stuff um, not just silent films but talkies as well classic talkies anyways so that's that's our first person who has written in so hopefully we'll look forward to more of that stuff and we're happy to answer in any old inquiries or questions or anything like that so Thanks again, Adam and other listeners. And uh, and again, if you guys are listening and you appreciate and like our podcast, I recommend that you go to our Apple podcast platform and write a review or star rating. Uh, I think it's only been, there's only one on there, maybe two. So it's uh, it would be nice if there we got more. <laughs> we appreciate it so much. Tell us if you like us. We like yep. us. We hope yep. you like us. <laughs> yep. All right, let's keep moving here. So let's dive into the series of shorts there. The shorts that we're going to talk about today is um, The Haunted House, 1921, Hard Luck, um, The Goat, The Playhouse, and The Boat. Um, The Haunted House is uh, 1921, um, Buster Keaton. And all of them are directed by Buster and written director by Buster Keaton and uh, Edward F. Klein. And basically, with this particular haunted house uh, short, the story, the the plot summary is that Keaton is a teller at a at a bank, and somehow you know a bunch of uh, baddies is going to rob the bank, and and you know, a chase ensues and they end up going into a haunted house. So somehow this thread connects <laughs> in the short. Yeah. And in the haunted house, of course, is where, you know, Keaton, we're seeing a theme here, right? So Keaton loves to engineer mm-hmm. these crazy houses that basically is a character unto itself. This, the physical set of the house is like a character. And inside of this house is, uh, uh, is actually where the, the robbers live, you know, the gang, as it were, the baddies. And mm. you got these quote-unquote ghost basically somebody with a white sheet over them it's like ghost right it's scary <laughs> <laughs> but that's their idea of that right and that's the context of the time at least they yeah. think that was the there's very you know that's the whole kind of cartoony slash slap slapstick that's kind of where the term comes from mm-hmm. uh you know where this this thing uh is taking place so anyway so 
so that's kind of the 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 high level summary you know and uh, a lot of hilarity ensues inside of this house and uh somehow another common thing also is that he, he often gets married at the end to this random girl <laughs> yeah the, i noticed that too after the um the playhouse <laughs> so i think it was it's just like he he keeps finding these ladies and she's like okay let's go <laughs> yeah <laughs> wedding bells <laughs> by accident too in some ways right there's no previous relationship there's just like just it's no. happenings right they just go so, for it pretty much progressive <laughs> yeah so what do you think of this particular one the uh Oh, I really liked everything that happened with it. Just, you know, starting off at the bank. So I guess to make that connection, the the boss of the bank, he was the head of the gang to rob it. I think that's how it went. So, and then when they come to rob Buster, uh, I forget what happened. He just, like, spills glue everywhere. And then he gets money on everything and everybody. And it's just a mess. <laughs> But then once the robbers start chasing him, uh, we cut to this play within the film, which I don't know. I thought it was kind of confusing at first because I'm like, who are these people? What's the context? Why are we here? But they're doing. uh, I don't think. I think it's Faust. Oh, yeah. They were doing Faust. I was going to say, were they doing Dante's Inferno? (laughs) Because something like that. They're all dark. Right. So. Yeah, so and then they get booed off the stage and then the audience chases them to the haunted house naturally. where Buster Keaton naturally goes as well. And it's just it's just oh my gosh, a riot. It's kind of a um silent comedy trope. Not that yeah. I think about it. Now that I've seen more of it and you, you kinda get used to it. But basically it's like if if it's almost like a um Daisy chain effect. I don't. Know if, I don't know if there's an actual practical term for these things, so I'm going to be ignorant. Just call it a daisy chain mm-hmm. chase, where you know Buster gets chased by people, but whoever he runs into end up chasing them, and on and on it goes. So yeah. <laughs> he'll like crash into this playhouse, and then whoever's involved in the in the playhouse will end up chasing him, and that just come kind of like a common scenario with the silent fu- uh, film comedy tropes. So. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I thought it was interesting. I didn't think this was the best one out of the, the batch that we saw, but it was uh, entertaining. Um, yeah. The glue thing was funny, I think. It's pretty good, yeah, because <laughs> it's, just, it's just a nightmare. You think about it, it's like, you know, feathers and tar. It like, just gets everywhere. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, and there was this weird bit at the at the beginning where he drew a hook for his hat on the wall. Yeah. And that was that weird. Was- so and it turns into a real hook that he could put the hat on. He he does that a few times too in other silent. Yeah, he ones. did it in one of the other shorts we talked about last week. I right. think it was. It's like a cane or something. Yeah, I don't know if it was high sign. It was one of the first ones. Right. But yeah, he works at the bank. He works as a teller at the bank, and then the bank vault can only be open at like nine a.m. and it closes at three p.m. exactly. And then he gets caught in there, but. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but I don't know. One thing I remember from the film, though, is during the chase scene where it's just him, he kind of, I thought it was funny. I thought he looked right at the camera as he ran by. You know, he's running, 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 running. Hey, camera, runs off camera. <laughs> well, he so often does sure. mug for it, really. Yeah. That's his, so. uh, that's his kind of specialty. <laughs> Unique to Buster Keaton. So. Yeah. Well. 
Good to know. But it's still, it was just kind of funny. You know, he's, I don't know, as the character, he's terrified for his life, but he's still going to acknowledge the audience. So <laughs> That's what gets the laugh, though, is, is, is yeah. uh, his straightforward, straight man, you know, mm-hmm. face and attitude. And he's like, basically communicating. I don't know what's going on. Why is this happening to me? <laughs> and uh, Yeah. So, and, and I, I think, is it in this one where in Faust the walls fall off too? Yeah, the walls fell down. That's like another common, like we're seeing all these trends because we're seeing all of these mm. in a row. And uh, I just feel like that's another common uh, science, science, silent film trope in the sense that it's like, you know, things are going well and then the wall falls down. That's yeah. the funny bit. <laughs> And you kind of see the veneer go away and, you know, the whole, you know, you know, theater set is exposed. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. It's funny, too, because sometimes, you know, they, the set pieces will actually hit the p- actors, too, instead of just uh, slicing them in the door frame or something like that. That's the joke, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and of course, these uh, Faustian figures are part of the... It, they kind of add themselves into the haunted house, as it were. Once they get to the actual haunted house, and the and then the and then of course you know Buster uncovers that the bank manager and his gang is hiding out here and spooking people and just just stuff like that. But this house, of course, is is a big set where the stairs will just the steps on the stairs will turn into a slide essentially, mm-hmm. you know, and. uh that that just constantly goes on and off, switches on and off. It's almost like the house is a mind of its own, right? Yeah, which makes I don't know. Which that also makes it kind of compelling for me too. I don't know why, because last week when I saw this, I I thought it was the best one. But after watching the others, I'm like, okay. I mean, it's just as good as any other now. Yeah. But just I agree, the mechanics that you know they have to think about back then into what the set is gonna be is just very you know unique and you know inspiring for everything that comes after and what we have now because if you're like thinking of ideas to do you could like okay let's try the whole stairs into slide idea Uh, i don't know (laughs) a lot of it was engineered but buster too yeah he really enjoys doing that along with his gag team right so Mm -hmm. anyway so i thought the bit at the end when he gets knocked out and then he imagines that he's going up in heaven and he just ascends these yeah. huge amount of steps of course at the end he's like nope <laughs> and then the whole entire stairway to heaven turns into a slide just like you know the haunted house mm-hmm. and he goes all the way down to hell <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah it was pretty intense you know yeah. just like um what's happening <laughs> and then he gets woken up by the lady and th- then they get married or not of course. I don't know <laughs> somehow that's always gonna be the happy ending right so it's like the <laughs> The height of life, apparently. So marriage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anywho, so it goes on. Um, any other parting thoughts about this? I think that's. I, I thought it was entertaining and it was well done. Again, the house is a set piece, but I, 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 you know, compared to the other ones, I don't know if I would put this up there. Yeah, it's definitely worth a watch if you're yeah. gonna watch any. You know, if we're gonna pick them, like like a one through five rating i'd give it at least the three because it's definitely a solid short (laughs) yeah similar similar all right let's move on to the hard luck 
who is about this um how Sin. shall we say this one this 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 is the one where Buster Keaton plays a a guy who's down on his luck so he you know he gets mm-hmm. into this worst situation where you know he loses his job he loses his girl at least at inter- intertitle say that and then he's kind of down his luck and he just tries to kill himself got doc yeah, real quick I, yeah it was kind of a weird one <laughs> yeah but i, I mean the tragedy and comedy is typically goes hand in mm-hmm. hand so it it's not a surprise i would say so he tries to kill himself because he's kind of in his ropes and ultimately uh he finds himself on and on through a series of sort of happenings and adventures right and one thing leads to another so Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways, so he, he the plot is that he tries to you know uh, kill himself by various different things you know laying on the track for the train to run him over or hang himself and other on and on and he ultimately um gets into a series of adventures where he lands on to kind of what is this like a course or something I, f- I forgot where he lands he lands in this. Like, uh, I think what happens is, you know, he sees one of, I don't know, he's walking by this building. He sees a butler with, oh, oh like, hiding a whiskey bottle labeled oh, that's poison. Right. And he yeah. breaks, I don't know, Buster kind of, like, sneaks in, wants to, you know, off himself. So he's drinking the poison, which is booze. And then I think in his drunken state, he walks into, like, this, I don't know, this club of gentlemen. And they're like, oh, we're going to go capture an armadillo. And I'm just like, why are we capturing an armadillo? What's the point of this? <laughs> oh, yeah, they were like, like a zoo committee zoo. or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. They were a zoo committee. <laughs> but still, it's like, oh, what are we going to do with this armadillo? I don't know. And we never really go back to anything having to do with the zoo. Right, right. Oh, well. <laughs> anyway, so it, it goes on and on. And I think he either rescues or something with the lady and then <laughs> I can't remember the, a lot the of lady. the detail in this one but uh, whatever happens he ends up going to the swimming pool with a really high yeah diving that plank. was oh my god when I know that was like one heck of a stunt but even so I was like oh my god cuz I don't I don't even know how high the high dive is it looks real high <laughs> it looks real high <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but oh and then he jumps onto I don't know. I don't know how the stunt worked. Well, like, he misses oh the pool, right? But he goes I into this, the the side of the pool, which it could be just tiles I or concrete it, ground or whatever. Yeah, I it hope is. it's a mat. <laughs> yeah. So however he did that stunt, apparently he claims that it's one of his best yet. Of course, the film footage is lost. Well, three minutes for this short. But the the end goal is that um, he jumps uh, from he dives from a um, a uh, diving board that's really high up. And he dives and misses the actual pool, but then, you know, goes through the side of the pool, the walkway or the ground. And apparently he keeps falling and the uh, the, the, the bystanders are like, I can't see him. And mm-hmm. he goes all the way through the earth somehow and ends up on the other side in China. And a few years later, he come, he returns to the place with the uh, Chinese wife and two two kids. <laughs> That's the joke. <laughs> so anyways... That's that's the short hair. I yeah. think the the ending was supposed to be like, you know, super amazing. But yeah, it said that got the biggest laugh when they returned out yeah. of the hole because you know the I don't know because the joke is oh you know cut a hole through the earth and you'll end up in China but geographically no you won't <laughs> yeah 
Anyway, it's, it's a entertaining one. It's I don't think it's his best, but uh, it had a few laughs. I would say. <laughs> yeah, because uh, when I was reading more about high, I mean, excuse me, hard luck. This, like you said, I I wasn't really crazy about this one. I guess it's you know he's down on his luck. He wants it off himself, but then after he starts getting, I don't know, more experience. And, like, I don't know, he's doing a little bit better. He's His confidence is building up. At least that's what I'm getting from reading some stuff online. So the more his confidence builds, uh, it's one reason it leads him to the high dive. Because he's like, oh, I can do anything now. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I don't know. That was just a point I figured I'd throw in there. And I also read, too, with this, I think the film is complete now. Because it got... I think they found most of it in 1987, and the rest of it was found in Russia. I think that's what I read. And it was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I, I don't think know the, if don't it know. is available. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So it is available, but um, I don't know. It might be on YouTube. I haven't looked it up. Maybe it's on YouTube. Yeah, because that's the idea I was thinking. They were saying, oh, half the film was lost until 87, and it was found in, like, I don't know, Russian crematorium, something weird. <laughs> but, and then I just assumed what we watched was a completed official version. But then again, I don't know. So, beats me. Hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to look for it, but I I don't see it. <laughs> I don't think I I don't think I see those extra three minutes stored restored back in. I know because I'm if they did I don't know because it's just it the way the film is filmed at least watching it it doesn't seem like anything's missing now. But unless it's like he and his new family go to meet people, but I don't know. They oh wow, it's on here. I'll I'll put this in the uh, show notes. Ooh, yeah, it's pretty cool. They reintegrated the scene. It's on YouTube now. Hmm. That's the beauty of like his stunts. He just jumped without any safety nets into the side of, I mean of course it's not it's not real concrete of course <laughs> yeah but he gets out of the same hole <laughs> yeah <laughs> with the uh, Chinese wife and the three kids actually three oh yeah. one's geez. a baby <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty interesting anyway I'll, I'll send you the link yeah I'd like to check it out <laughs> that is hilarious I wish they could restore it. The image is pretty awful, though. Yeah. There's a, there's a few different versions on YouTube. Because I, I know I have the credits for Canopy as well. But I, f- I figured I'll just watch as close as I can. Because most of them are from Kino, which was really nice, too. Just watch them on YouTube. Well, it's because they, they had the um, the rights, I think, for the Canopy to, yeah. to watch. But then, of course, YouTube, there's a bunch of other ones now on there. So, mm-hmm. anyways, but that'll actually be kind of interesting to talk about for the next 
films because I watched colorized versions because I was super curious. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, sometimes they do that. They have colorization that was mm, not completely gone, but on and off. It's, it wasn't, I don't know, it probably was very popular in the 1910s and close to 20s. And then it dropped off a little bit. But then you've got some people still trying to do that in certain films. Like, I, mean, I think Nosferatu had some colorization as well, for example. Yeah. And that was a little later as well. But let's, uh, anything else for um, Hard Luck? Nah, not not really. Nothing really 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 stood out for me besides the armadillo never being caught and yeah. that he almost <laughs> broke his neck jumping off the high dive <laughs> yeah that was an incredible scene to check it out um the goat uh 1921 the plot is he you know he's i guess he's playing kind of uh just a guy wandering around <laughs> doing nothing i guess like and then down he got... on, yeah down on his luck again too <laughs> well that's his normal character but he <laughs> he gets his picture taken and I don't know what this dead shot Dan did, but whatever he did, he moved the camera so he would take a picture of Buster as the mugshot of him instead. And so, so when the photo of the wanted poster, because ultimately this dead shot Dan escaped too. And did you see how he escaped? He escaped by turning off the lights. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so stupid. But anyways, <laughs> so anyway, so so this uh, criminal who's in jail. Uh, Buster walks by this jail and this, uh, they're taking a mugshot of him. This Deadshot Dan uh, uh, captured murderer. And instead of the actual murderer, they took a, a photo of Buster Keaton. And of course, naturally, this Deadshot Dan escapes, right? <laughs> and after it escapes, now there's wanted posters of this um, you know, criminal everywhere, except that it's a picture of Buster Keaton and not of the actual Dan. <laughs> Dan, yeah. So... And of course, the most of this adventure is all about him, you know, being mis sort of uh, identified as a criminal. <laughs> so, and he goes all over the place, and so he does. Though the other thread again, the trope returns where he uh, somehow stands up for a woman who was being uh, berated by a, a man. Uh, with the dog or something. I mean, the woman yeah. had the dog, and then the man was berating her for something, and Buster Keaton stood up for her. And somehow at the end, they get married or something. Was that one of those? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's another trope. Oh, no, yeah. what it was is this. No, the the lady actually was the one that was married to the uh, chief of police or something. That- it was his daughter. It was was it that or why? I can't remember one or the other. I couldn't quite quite tell. And then yeah, I think it was um in the like just reading other stuff too. He it was his daughter, and then I don't know. She was taking the dog for a walk because then that's why Buster decides to go marry her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the fun the ending was it says uh, furniture store and says you furnish the girl, we furnish the home. He carries her into the yeah. store because <laughs> that's how they did it back then. So. <laughs> Uh, although this particular short is very well known of for that speeding train where the train speeds up towards the camera and then uh with uh buster sitting on the train going right up to the camera 
Yeah, I saw, I saw a few people talk commenting about that. And I, it is a really cool shot. It's a very iconic shot. But you know, it's like done backwards. You could just tell now. But so like, oh, I didn't notice so, that. So you know, when you film I'd have it, to right? Watch it again. When yeah. you film it, it's basically the train moving away from the camera. Mm-hmm. But when they edited this, they reversed it and sped it up to feel like the train is moving towards the camera at insane speeds, and all of a sudden breaks super fast towards the end. <laughs> Well, yeah, that makes sense. But what's I guess cool? Now you bring it up. <laughs> but the the cool bit is that he performed it backwards, because his performance was that uh, the train would stop. Like it, assuming if he did it for real, like the train zooms towards the camera, he just looks nonchalantly to the left of the camera or to the his left or our our right off the screen. You know, mm. like he does a bit of acting there. But imagine this: you have to act backwards. Yeah. So that in your mind, you know that when you reverse the film, it would be normal. <laughs> hmm. So I think that's a brilliant piece of acting, you know, where you act backwards to know that, you know, when you reverse the film, it's it's the right speed and the right, you know, way. Yeah, that is, that is interesting. I would, I'm going to definitely watch this. That, at least that part of the scene after we're done talking because right. I I mean I didn't realize it was backwards I mean maybe I just wasn't really paying attention but I was just like wow how'd they do that shot yeah because <laughs> I just figured I don't know it was a super close-up and then you know they still had however many feet away from the camera but... yeah I'm not sure the <laughs> telephotos exist telephotos are the way you where you can place your camera like you know, thousands of feet away and you yeah. zoom in and then you could, yeah, probably didn't have that. <laughs> I'm not sure if they did or not. I just know for this particular shot, that's what they did. So, cause I was reading also about Keaton's cameraman. His name's um, Elgin Leslie. And they called him the human metronome for his ability to crank consistently at any requested speed, <laughs> which he's uh, more noted in the playhouse as well. But I, you know, we're talking about how you have to get, you know, everything shot correectly, and then Buster has to be on his best too. But yeah, if you cool, think about how cool they scene. used to do things back then, that was incredible yeah. to to manually crank the speed of the camera. You know? Yeah. So, anyways, so that's kind of the story. Uh, do you have any other notes about this particular one? Well. I didn't know why it was called the goat, but I saw a note from somebody on YouTube saying scapegoat. And then I was like, oh, okay. Cause, <laughs> cause I don't know. I was expecting a goat. Cause you know, animals. <laughs> yeah. You didn't think that stood for the greatest of all time. <laughs> like Brady. <laughs> no. Just as I mean, Brady is to it. football. Buster <laughs> Keaton is to silent film comedy. The greatest of all time. Right. I, yeah, it was pretty funny. Cause you know, that didn't exist back then, but now it's like, oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, but, go ahead. Uh, I, was, I don't know. I was just going to say there a lot of laugh out loud moments and it was super enjoyable. And I felt bad for the cop that got hit by the horseshoe because, <laughs> you know, he, he didn't expect it coming. And then, like you said, the daisy train, all the cops start going after yeah. Buster, which makes it really funny. <laughs> Yep. So, yeah, I, I, that's the highlight. I would say the the train bit 
Um, I mean, he loves trains, so you'll you've seen trains already from like one week, and it, it's kind of a common thing, and that's why he made the general, right? He, he's a big train fanatic. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. Um, other highlights, I would say. Let me think. Um, I don't know what other highlights, because those were kind of the same thing. The Get, cop getting hit with a horseshoe, Buster sitting in front of the train. That's all I wrote, but... <laughs> yeah, there was a particular one with the, when they... Something about the the gun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, the smoking uh, gun. Yeah, oh, yeah, so he shot... So somebody else was trying to kill the police chief somehow, and the gun, the gun of course, lands in his hands. <laughs> I thought that was pretty mm-hmm. funny. But there, there are like I said, you said there's uh some some funny moments too, and uh, and of course you know when he gets into the uh, the girl's home and her dad apparently is the is the the police chief, right? Of course, yeah. Of course, it had to be, right? I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. So no, that is another trope, though, because that yeah. happens in one of those newer Spider-Man movies where uh, Dennis Leary's. Uh, What's her Emma Stone's father yep. being Gwen Stacy? It's like, oh hi, Dad. It's also just plotting oh, no. too, and of course, yeah. it has to happen <laughs> like that, right? It can't be somebody else. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> anyways, um, the Playhouse is the next one, and uh, it is about. Um, let me think. So Keaton starts it. The short starts with Keaton as a conductor for an orchestra, and the people in the audience is male and female. They're enjoying the show, except that every single person is all Buster Keaton. Yeah, <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah, so the conductor is Buster Keaton, the the play, the guy playing the trumpet, the drummer, uh, the dancers, the actors, the stagehands, the minstrels, that like mm-hmm. the various different uh, audience members, the young person, the old persons, everybody from start to finish was like buster keaton so <laughs> um yeah i thought that was really cool um yeah someone likened him to being in the lady makeup as drag but yeah <laughs> not, not, not kind of but not quite but and yeah uh, i was very impressive and then towards the and then of course he wakes up and it was like dream sequence mm-hmm. and once um they figure that out he, he's basically a stagehand for just like regular theater yeah so at, at that point that sequence ends and then there's uh the second half of the short of course is he falls for a girl on the stage who was a, a twin act right for like a, mm-hmm. a magic show where they're yeah. under the water and stuff trying to break uh out of a uh, chains being trained under the water and uh and keaton falls for one of the twin and mm-hmm. that's the other comedy is that you know it's uh he doesn't know who's who. <laughs> right, right. So that's essentially it. So um, that's kind of the whole short. Um, but I will say, like, to me, the the showcase of this short is ultimately the beginning, the first half, which is the 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 scene where every single person is Buster Keaton. Yeah. I mean, that's like, it's astonishing the way they're able to do that back in that day. So that's just amazing. However, they did that. Yeah, and I also got a note. It's the same thing talking about Elgin Leslie, who did the train shot scene in the last one, 
uh, what is, is the note? The note is, um, Keaton's portrayal of nine members of a minstrel show required the use of a special matte box in front of the camera lens. It had nine exactly machined strips of metal, which could be moved up or down independently in each of each other. Excuse me. Um, yeah, so I guess, you know, they would shoot the film and then he rewound it and they would open the second segment to do the other instrument. And then he refilmed Keaton in that sequence. And then I guess what they else they did is they repeated it again and again. So it's pretty, you know, reading this is just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you had to go perfect to get this right. And it's pretty amazing. Because, you know, they were like, oh, well, since it's silent, we don't have to worry about the music syncing. But as long as the movements were correct, they, you know, they were fair game. But that's what's really cool is the effect was done yeah. in camera by reminding. Yeah. And if you fail and just like, you know, you know, five out of the nine members, you have to destroy the film, start over. It's pretty incredible. Oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't even think of that part. Yeah. But, very little redos. Uh, oh my gosh! Yeah, very little redos. Yeah. <laughs> we have it easy now with all the films shoots we do. Oh my gosh! Yeah, compared to then, that's for sure. And, and also the amount. Uh, this is the other point I was trying to make from way way back in the days is that the amount of ingenuity, the yeah, the definitely. smarts it takes to even thought of whoever thought about that how to rewind it and kind of film it by opening shutters and gates and different parts of the film. Like that's brilliant. Like who, who, who thinks about that these days, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I also thought it was super cool too. Cause they made Virginia Fox the twin. I mean, it's, right. she's not a twin, but she's playing both roles and right. just having, having that being a film from 1921, that was, you know, very amazing to me. Right. Cause you know, even now when they do, fake twins i i still don't really get how they do it like you know you think of the parent trap like the Lindsay lohan version that's the one i've i know the most you know it's just like how is you know how's this possible how are they doing this oh my god because you know i didn't when i was little i didn't realize it was one person right <laughs> yeah. so i don't know it's how how do you, how do you think they do it i know you know um I know they can use computers, but I think the, at least the ones I am aware of, most of the um, sort of doubles are just computer controlled um, cameras so that mm. they would film the same actor, you know, run through, you know, the left side. Okay. Uh, and then do the right side and kind of composite both and do the same. So it, it is still done mechanically in terms of they film it. Um, using the actors but when they put it together there's a lot of computer control technology mm. which like is kind of cheating but <laughs> that's yeah. how they what they do to achieve the effect so what do you think for back then though because that's the main thing i was curious about i mean oh. i know i just talked about with what elgin leslie did you know hand cranking it exactly at the same pace twenty thousand times but yeah. for the twins i was like oh my god how's he doing this uh <laughs> i mean if if he's just you know closing off half the the frame and rewinding and recording the other half that's that's yeah. probably the same technique right if you can do yeah. if you can do two or more of buster Kate, you can do any anybody else's twins you know so yeah that makes a lot of sense now that you 
bring it up, but I don't know. Just like <laughs> sometimes until I hear it said back to me, I'm like, oh, okay. But what's really cool though, I think, is the tactile nature of like Buster Keaton going from one twin to the other. That yeah. is complicated. I don't know how that's done, but like if there were, if the twins were like offset to the side and just uh, like not doing anything idling and that's fine. But I think there are some scenes in there where he goes, like he kisses one by mistake and mm-hmm. she slaps him and goes off. And then the other one, Oh, it's this one. Like <laughs> it's so tactile and so seamless. Yeah. And that, I, I don't know how they do that. <laughs> so, yeah. The only thing I can think is if they would have a stand in back then to at least, but I don't know. Then my future brains thinking, Oh, well they can't edit her out. Not really, but <laughs> I don't know. Possibly anything, anything's possible back then. Yeah, so the technical stuff definitely is amazing, and uh, the set design again is amazing. And you know, he's Keaton's certainly the one for the. And then there's a whole there's a remark in there. It's, this fellow Keaton seems to be the whole show. <laughs> <That's> the <laughs> yeah, joke. that was funny. <laughs> but I think it was because it was a uh, it was a dig at another contemporary uh, Thomas Ince, who was another filmmaker, and that filmmaker likes to credit himself a lot. Like on the the title sequences, he'll often be like. Edited yeah, by that. Thomas Ince, directed by, and this and so on and so on and so on. So that's the fun part. Yeah, and he's just digging like, no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why, like, if you, in the scene, right, there's a long list of credits, and it was all Buster Keaton, you know? <laughs> that's the joke at this other guy. But, uh, I, so I would say, like, oh, the only other sort of, um, I don't know, kind of cringeworthy moments is like when he did blackface i don't know if you noticed that i noticed it because yeah. i saw this in color and i was just like uh-oh uh-oh <laughs> that was bad yeah so i don't want to take too long to talk about it and i'm not gonna like so i'm not like apologizing for for them doing that but i'm also uh, i guess filling in the audience on the fact that the context of the times back then they just did that. That was just a normal thing that they did. I'm not saying it's it's a good thing looking back. There are a lot of quote unquote normal things that people used to do, like discrimination, racism. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, you know, looking back now and with our 2020 eyes towards this almost 100 year old plus um, medium and comedy and stuff, blackface was something that, you know, stage people just used to do all the time on stage um, whether it was filmed or not that was just a common thing they did and they did that as just a performance thing and of course now looking back it's racist yes that's that that's a fact um but again it's just something that everybody performers uh weren't above doing you know mm. and so that's why he i think he did that is just it when he was in Volleville, I'm sure many other Volleville's were doing that. And then they all, I think, ignorantly think that's all perfectly fine. But, you know, that's yeah, just the way things were back then. Right? So. Yeah. I was just thinking, like, I took a, my theater was my major in college. But I remember taking and learning stuff about vaudeville. And that does kind of, unfortunately, blackface does seem right up their alley. Because it's like, because you're right, it's an act. So they, they want to act as other people. But even though it's not right. I will say for the film, even though he was in blackface, he didn't really do anything to like try to portray a black person. So... Yeah. He was just representing a, yeah, he was just representing on top them. of the, 
Anyways, this is oh, this is the section where moving on. <laughs> this is the section where um, where we do see there was this particular act towards the end of that first half, where first of all he did like a a song and dance number, right? Yeah. So that was really cool to see. I don't know for sure, but it seems like he did some of that. Like he would have done that in vaudeville back in the day before mm-hmm. film, right? Like the way he was dancing. Yeah, it was really fun and cute. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying is like it, it, like that's the brilliant thing about these movies and shorts is to capture, as as all those early experimental ones, it's a capture a snapshot of time of, of culturally what people were inter- being entertained by. And I thought that was really cool to see kind of him at his prime on stage as a former like vaudeville person and to bring some of the act into the film right mm-hmm. i thought that was really cool like we can't see vaudeville today not not like unless yeah, people not really. you know created it right yeah because then they kind of correlate that with like a burlesque show and it's like no it's totally different yeah kind of similar but super different right <laughs> And so that like I love that piece, right? And then there's another piece where there's like two of them synchronizing dancing sort of. Yeah, I like that a lot. Too. And I don't know they if you were, noticed. You could tell they were different. It was it, yeah, exactly. It wasn't a mirror. It wasn't just like somebody just took the same film negative and did a mirror. It was it was not a a uh, identical uh, mirror image because you could tell that yeah. like person on the left was off a little bit, the person mm-hmm. on the right was off a little bit, and that's like brilliant. Yeah, and it made you know? it more natural too. Right, like the the mistake itself is the the thing that clues you in that this was a real deal, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I really loved and appreciated that moment because it really is a snapshot of his former life of being a vaudeville, you know, actor and all his acts and stuff, what he used to do, and you know, you could just tell like it's amazing, you know. So, no, mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool that part. It's like time traveling. Yeah. One thing, uh, this was a note I brought up. I know it's not really anything to do with the playhouse itself, like the film, but I noticed that in this film, the same set of stairs <laughs> popped out from which were in the goat. So, like in the goat, the chief of police was waiting for him to come out of the building when Buster takes a tumble. But in this one, um, he runs in front of that same setup with the magician's assistant so i was just like hey i recognize those stairs well yeah that's that's just um that's how they like did it they, piece. Yeah. yeah i mean that's that's where they all film in the common areas i mean it's gonna show up over and over again for all this, sh- this sets and movies and stuff you know yeah you know unless they have money but, to travel they'll just be in around the same area that's <laughs> filming true. the same I stuff i just so. thought it was funny though because i was like hey i recognize those. it is no <laughs> i mean stairs. if you're seeing all these in a row like we're doing you'll start to see those things yeah. and of course if you if you weren't if you were like typically these play these would play on those other um before feature films or something and when you do you'll forget you know at the moment these are entertaining mm-hmm. but you'll just forget about them once you're done you know they didn't think about replay values back in the day, you know? Makes sense. And no idea that we were going to be watching this 100, 100 plus years in the future. <laughs> yeah, now this film's almost 100 plus years. Yeah, oh, it's crazy. 99. Yeah. Whoa. Anything else about this one? I don't know. Nothing I can add to it. It's very, you know, it's good for a showcase of what vaudeville was, what plays are like, what working on a play is like, and all the chaos that ensues is yeah. so true. <laughs> yep. 
Moving on to the boat is uh, maybe my favorite out of this one. Maybe. Mm. I made a mistake last week, but um, remember how I said that uh, in one week there was this uh, actress, Sybil Seeley? Yeah. So in, in how I mentioned that there was a trilogy, right? So there was, um, I'm going to forget the name of the short, but it was the one where, uh... remember how I mentioned that it was like a trilogy where... Yeah, no, I remember because it was the house one, but now I don't remember. What the well, house the house one called. is the is the one week, right? One week they get married, yeah. to build oh, a yeah, house. One week. So that's like part two of the trilogy. Part one was is the one where they met. Oh, the scarecrow. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That's the one where um, his dad was in there, uh, Joe Keaton, and then he plays the father of this the the Sybil Seely character. So that's like the first of the trilogy where in the Scarecrow, Buster Keaton character meets the Sybil Seeley character. And then, of course, they get married at the end, right? With the car jumping mm. over and they're in. So once they get married, the sequel, quote unquote, is one week where they get married to build a house. And the boat is the third movie, not the other one, mm. out, whatever I was mentioning. The boat is the third because the third one is the they're married with kids now. Yeah, and they're pulling the boat out and be on an adventure. So I made a mistake last week, but it's that that's the somebody, <clears throat> maybe the essayist on the uh, Kino uh, DVD uh, uh, behind the scenes. They said that, but basically that's the trilogy. Is you, you got the scarecrow one week in the boat. The plot of the boat is that Buster Keaton is married with two kids, and um, the you know he's married to the to the Sybil Seely character um and they have this boat that they're trying to take out of the house and uh and as they're trying to the boat's called Demfino, and as they're trying to get at, get the boat out of the house the entire house collapses <laughs> and when he puts the boat onto the um the dock and tries to um get the boat into the waters it just sinks it's a common thing you know everything that fails will fail (laughs) and um once they get the boat back on into a floating status uh the home family loads in and they go through some storms and hilarity ensues so that's really cool um so what do you think about this one I was happy to see Sybil Seely again when we also talked about how they just have really good chemistry and she yep. just seems like a fun actress too. Yes. So it was nice seeing her again for the trilogy. Now we know she kind of got married and stopped acting, but is this the last film she's in? Do you know? Um, I didn't dig in for sure. Let me think. Let me look here. So he, her filmography is, um, 1919 all the way through 1922. So this is towards oh, the maybe. end. The boat is 1921, but she made three more movies after this. Uh, Sailor Main Man, 1921. On Patrol, 1922. The Frozen North, 1922. And that's it. So. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, uh, it was nice. Yeah, it was just nice kind of seeing her again. You know, and they had the kids. Uh, the Frozen the North, the 19, 1922 is um, Buster Keaton again. So, oh, what do you know? Final reunion. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Hmm, what was he saying? I don't know. Something about their kids. It was kind of funny because the way they were like just picking them up and throwing them around. <laughs> like, seems, seems like good parents. 
Well, of course, but, uh, you know that's the that's the callback to Buster's upbringing. Mm-hmm. You know, when he was a volleyball, that's that's how he grew up. <laughs> yeah, you just throw your kids around, they'll figure it out. Pretty much, you know. But definitely, the standout part of this whole film is just the boat itself. You yes. know, once again, it's which a is like the house. Yeah, it's, it's like, like the a house. set piece. It is, yeah, and it's a rota- it's a rotating set piece, which yeah. is because they have it rolling around in a full circle, which is nuts. But uh, I Do you also, remember Inception? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Inception. And you know how there's a scene in the hallways where Joseph Love... Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, yeah, yeah, he's fighting some dude. Yeah, and so that's how they did the practical effects is that they would rotate um, the entire set oh, round man. and round so that you feel like gravity's screwed up. But they physically rotated the whole set, which is a callback to... But so he can do stuff like this, which he did the same thing, right? He re- rotate the set round and round. Oh, that's cool. I just thought they moved the camera oh, like, no. in, in a circle. Yeah. Hmm. Because think Good about it. He had to walk from, you know. Yeah. So the gravity has to be down. So that's the that's like film technique hasn't changed in, you know, 100 plus years, right? Yeah. If, if you wanted to go practical route. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess another go practical route. They made um, a miniature for the boat model. Oh, right, yeah. So there are some scenes in there. It's, it's the toy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's the toy. And then I was thinking of oh, James Cameron's Titanic because they use miniatures too. Right. When they blew up certain parts of the fake Titanic, like hey, Buster Keaton. <laughs> Maybe yeah. not so much with that, but. <laughs> well, the I would say the effects. Um, a few decades afterwards were a lot more involved um, in, in terms of those type of effects. They actually, the they make miniatures, but the miniatures are bigger. So actually, they're called like bigatures, as it were. Oh, yeah, bigatures. <laughs> um, that's a term that I heard in Lord of the Rings when they made bigatures, but I'm not sure if it's been used before that or after that. I'm not so sure. But anyway, so these quote-unquote miniatures are kind of huge they're like if you're doing buildings some of them could be you know one or two stories tall even depending on what they're doing because when you're doing something like explosions or boats on water the effect if it's like a toy you can tell right the physical reaction of the boat against Mm -hmm. the water like when we saw this it's it's like we know it's the toy Yeah, yeah. Nobody yeah, has to explain it to all... us. We can just tell. We just look at it. Um, <laughs> yeah, because it's the weight and disparency and all that stuff. That yeah, has to but if you look at it. like Titanic, you know, things are, it feels like it's bigger because they're slowing it down. Yeah. And it feels more massive. And so it there's a way to, that's why they build it bigger so that it reduces that effect where it's like you feel like it's a toy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. They've definitely improved them on the effects after that. But in mm-hmm. terms of back then, of course, that's the best they could do. But I will say that, you know, some of the most challenging things in film is to film with in water. Number one. Number two is with children. And yeah. he did both of those mm-hmm. um, here. So that's the challenging part, I'd say. But, you know, every time he tries to take, you know, from the beginning of trying to take the boat out of the house the house destroyed and then the car you know gets screwed up mm-hmm. because Ends he's trying to get water yeah <laughs> and and every all those little you know things it was pretty funny so 
that I, f- I feel like this is probably to me anyways the strongest of the the ones we watched today hmm. um because of the boat thing yeah i mean that alone is very impressive i mean just comparing it to the haunted house i mean you have the same idea where the house is alive and kind of the boat's alive but you i don't know you just really have to i don't know how to explain it like you just have to know how to work it if that makes any sense i, I don't know maybe it doesn't make any sense because uh you have to sell it essentially. yeah you have to sell yeah. it thank you it's just yeah. like because it's just this the way the boat moves is just so insane <laughs> and then buster has to just you know you know as the actor just deal with what his situation and how how he's gonna pursue and uh i do yeah. love that at some point he um he moves the wife and kids into a room so that it's just him <laughs> it's kind yeah, of showcasing oh his gosh. performance above the others <laughs> yeah i thought that was funny too and yeah. then eventually he goes to checks on check on them and they're like out cold and he's like oh well <laughs> oh, they're like upside down yeah so but yeah um and i love how the the way that the boat is named did you get the whole point of the name of the boat compared name to the most exactly <laughs> Now they can't say that in the intertitle, or they can't write that mm-hmm. rather. But um, the the uh, they uh, want at the very end when they kind of step ashore, I guess, on the deserted mm-hmm. beach, and his wife is like, "Where are we?" That part is written down. But if you monitor Buster's mouth, he says, "Damn if I know." Oh my gosh, I didn't even notice that. So you can't write that down, but that's what he yeah. said. Yeah. <laughs> So that's the whole point of the movie. <laughs> it's pretty dark, though. You don't know where they land, though. <laughs> it's very uncertain. No, yeah, it is uncertain. I'm just like, okay, hope, hope you guys are safe. Yeah. Mystery Island. <laughs> yep. So this is a quite a fascinating collection. Um, is a, I think the boat is the strongest that I remember of all the the ones that are out there. Um, and. Uh, any other parting thoughts between before the closeout with, from all these collections? Not just this one, but all the others. Yeah. I guess just because of my theater background, the Playhouse is the one that stands out the most to me in this section. Right. Because, you know, everything is relatable to me. You know, just the whole being backstage and being on stage and maybe not, you know, being in drag exactly, but... <laughs> You know, playing characters. <laughs> so that it was, was really probably... convincing. It's kind of yeah, scary. Oh my god, it was so funny. Yeah, little he, you know, he goes from the mother to a child to a rich lady. He did the old man. The old the old age makeup was cool. I love that. that yeah. In the in the colored colorized version. Yeah. So yeah, just the way he did the the I don't know the saucy lady with her fan. <laughs> her like really pouty pout with the lipstick. It's just like. Hmm. <laughs> so and the kid with the candy and the candy the getting candy. stuck in the eye that's very yeah. funny <laughs> but yeah this is a i'm i'm really happy we're doing this collection now too just to learn more of buster keaton and i know there's a lot of movies but i'm i'm not complaining <laughs> yeah it's certainly um it's a little bit to me like um um when you like uh i guess the closest thing i think of is like if you watch a modern tv series and 
the whole thing is all comedy. Oh, I, uh, maybe I think the closest thing I think of is like Family Guy, right? So like Family Guy, if you watch that, um, week after week, um, like apart, like one week apart before you watch the next episode, you can take it in short sort of bursts. Yeah. Of comedy, but um. The way I usually watch things is I blow through seasons. I don't actually, I don't like to wait between weeks. Not that there's like a serialized storytelling for that mm-hmm. show, but uh, comedy show, series like that, um, it's hard, actually hard to to try to tackle on a whole season basis, you know, because I think in some ways it's made for like uh, a short amount of time. Yeah. And you get your of- life and you move on and you kind of yeah. forget about it. And then we, when you return to it, it's funny again, right? And then your, I think your memories of it is is better than just the, you know, you don't know if it's actually the shorts good or not, but your sort of impression of that time that you spent laughing at it was good, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think comedy is best when taking in short spurts like that, even the greatest ones, right? Yeah, that makes sense. But if you're like ingesting it in whole one fell soup like we're doing now, it's like, I mean, he's good, but it's like, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because like I said, like, like that's how I do the family. Cause just because I don't like to wait from week to week to week. And it's really hard for me to just like wait. Right. So with, with that series, I tend to wait until the season's over and then just blow through the whole thing. My problem now, of course, with that is like, it's the same thing with these Buster Keaton shorts is like, it's so much comedy to ingest all in one fell swoop. Like you don't get that time apart from week to week. To kind yeah, of appreciate it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's how I'm feeling now. Like, we're going through this. It's like, whoa, it's ha, 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 ha. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, so. I don't know. I mean, just not with, like, last week. I kind of watched them. I'll agree. I watched them all at once, kind of right before the podcast. So I didn't really get to ingest everything like we're saying now. But with this section, having, you know, watched the two the week before i kind of broke it up like one in the morning one at night and one the next day so it was kind of it was nice in that respect so it was more episodic yeah it was more episodic and i felt i could actually grasp what was happening for the most part with with whichever one i was looking watching but i was able to enjoy it more yeah you appreciate it more yeah that's what i'm saying about comedy shorts Mm -hmm. Is that as good as anybody as is, it's it's like you have to kind of take slices of it. It's yeah. really hard to just blow through hours and hours and hours of like short form comedy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So anyways, that's my experience with that. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's other people too. I'm not sure. Um, okay. So any other final parting thoughts about these series, series of shorts? Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> I think what, like, uh, when we get to the film feature films, he tends to, and not just unique to him, but a lot of the films tend to be a collection of shorts. Anyways, mm-hmm. you go from a gag or a scene to the next, and it's like, it's almost like he made three or four shorts and strung them together as a feature, with some some line of consistency of plot or something or character. But I don't know. That's what I remember, but I haven't seen a lot of these his features in quite a long time, so maybe I might pick up something different after that. Who knows? 
Okay. So, um, and by the way, the Roscoe's thing is, uh, was, um, what year was that? 1921. So it's yeah, certainly right, right when he, Keaton started to make his stuff, I think. So I, I don't know why Arpuckle was, uh, not in the, the ones he directed. I don't know if, oh, it might be because it's a different film company. I might be, I might be mixing all the different companies up because <laughs> sometimes you, you leave. Okay. So that's what it is, is, uh, yeah, I just looked at his filmography again. So I think the stuff with, no, no, never mind. I don't know what I'm talking about. Ignore me. <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, I was uh... gonna say, I was gonna say, like <laughs> when he was working with uh, Art Bogle, he was like one company, and then when he moved to start directing, he he he, he left the other company and go to a different company. I don't know. Yeah, he would jump around. Yeah, but I'm I I don't know for sure. I gotta do more research. Maybe I'll find out later. <laughs> but anywho, um, that's the uh, end of this week's podcast. Uh, thank you, listeners, and thank you, Lily, for your time. And uh, again, if you are, uh, you know, like our podcast, please leave a review on um, watching silent films um, podcast on the Apple platform or uh, any of the other uh, platforms you find us on the podcasting realm and world. And you can find more of our stuff at watching silent films, plural dot wordpress dot com. That's watching silent films, plural dot wordpress dot com. And uh, you can email us at watching silent films at gmail dot com. If you have any thoughts, questions or comments. And with that, we bid you adieu for this week. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Lily. Thanks, Yifang. Bye-bye.